Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ya lo hace. Pierna derecha. Directo al arco. Golazo. The world of football with a soccer perspective. This is Soccer Today with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramie, live on the Sports Podcasting Network. Good day, good night, and welcome to Soccer Today for Tuesday, November 26, 2019. I'm Kevin Laramie with Dwayne Rollins. As always, become a VIP and get access to exclusive content for $2, $5, and $10 a month on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash sports podcasting network to talk today about the new york rebels one of our favorite from front row soccer joining us michael lewis how you doing michael this morning i'm very well thank you how are you gentlemen we're well uh very well it's a very mild day here in uh, in canada today so as long as it stays mild i'm happy uh so that's why uh, i hear you <laughs> well, both North, northeast people really um, Michael, the week had you on, we booked you last week when there were the two major moves by, by NYRB in terms of uh, them walking away from two players that were very much synonymous with them. We'll talk about Bradley Wright Phillips in a minute, but I want to actually start with Luis Robles because to me, he's more synonymous with them in many ways, been there a little longer and was a little more surprising to me. Were you surprised that they decided to to move on at this point with from Robles? Uh, you know, yes, I did, uh, just because I still think he's got plenty of uh, gas, whatever you want to say, left in his tank. Uh, goalkeepers generally are in their prime in their mid-30s. Robles is 35. Uh, granted, he might not have had the same season this season this year as he has had in the past, but um, ju- just uh, stunning that they said goodbye to the captain of the team. Um, if I'm another MLS team looking for perhaps an upgrade in the goalkeeping position or perhaps cover for someone that they have, if they could uh, uh, afford a salary, uh, Robles might have to take a, a pay cut in, if he wants to play in some places, but I would definitely grab him. I think uh, he still has some productive years left, definitely. I think he might want to buy some suntan lotion. If if I'm him, I might be looking at the beachwear for, for him for, if I look at, <laughs> at what might be out there, what makes some sense. Um, you know, uh, go on. Go, go, I was going to say, continue, continue your thought. Uh, you know, he was, you know, the team spokesman uh, since Sir Jesse Marsh uh, took over and then during Chris Armis' uh, tenure as head coach, uh, when I say team spokesman, the team captain. Um, people, you know, he, well, he bled Red Bull red, uh, but you know, he, in terms of talking to him, he would, I think the media gravitated toward him even before he was captain, but he put things into perspective after a match as well too. And I think he was one of the most popular players with the media. Even if you asked him a tough or controversial question, I don't think he, you know, he, he would give you the evil eye or anything like that. He would just answer the question 
maybe saying that you were wrong in the answer, but without saying that you were wrong or that he disagreed with you. And um, he's going to be missed uh, on so many different levels. Fair, fair enough. It's three years in a row uh, that the Red Bulls have walked away from a captain. Um, is that just a coincidence or is there something there? Um, I, um, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to think it's just a coincidence. Um, I, you know, Robles, you know, talked the, uh, the, the party line. I mean, he did not, uh, he, I don't think he was controversial with the team, at least not uh, publicly. Um, you know, I know he's, you have to remember this, the Red Bulls do have a very talented goalkeeper, Ryan Mara, who has not played too much since uh, a hip injury in 2012. He's obviously recovered from that. Uh, I think they feel that he's uh, ready to, to show what he can do on a regular basis. Um, so uh, in terms of working away from a, a captain so many times over a period of years, uh, I don't see anything at this moment why they would do that. You mentioned Ryan Mera, and for me, it's been long overdue. I remember watching Ryan Mera about the 2015 mark in the USL playing against FC Montreal, and I was blown away by his performances at that point. He even saw him a few times in Major League Soccer when Luis Robles was not able to play for the Red Bulls, and it was always impressive performances for me, and I was always surprised that he actually stuck around all those years to be able to take over the number one job uh, this year. But when we look and also the departure of Bradley Wright Phillips, Louis Robles. That's big salaries leaving the club, and we're seeing the New York Rebels with money to spend in this offseason. Is money the m most, I would say, reliable factor in the departures of both Bradley Wright Phillips and Louis Robles? Well, I think that's part of it. Uh, let's face it, uh, Bradley Wright Phillips... Uh, uh, had a base salary of $1.2 million uh, in 2019 and a guaranteed salary of $1.38 million. Uh, Luis Robles was uh, about half that amount, uh, $490,000. So that, that's a sizable chunk of money. Uh, we're talking close to $2 million. Uh, the Red Bulls have always been uh, uh, frugal in terms of, uh, of, well, I should say always, but in recent years, frugal in terms of bringing in high Price players. Uh, they really haven't had a uh, high-profile player since Tyrion Lee. Tyrion uh, uh, Lee retired in 2014. So you, I guess on paper you would like to think that they're going to use the, that money that they're saving from the salaries to bring in some new players. Um, but, you know, I'm just wondering, maybe they're just trying to uh, cut, down, uh, cut down their budget as well, too, and maybe not... Uh, to spend it all. Only time will tell on that. But uh, they've relied a lot on homegrown players in recent years. Some have been very good. Some have, have they consider busts. So uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Looking at the offseason in front of us for the Red Bulls, what should be their, I would say, target for next year? Not necessarily a player, but, but can the Red Bulls compete for a playoff spot next year? Should that be what their target is for 2020? It seems like 
you yes, of course, with the Sasha Klesta and Dax McCarthy's of this world that were Red Bull players that left over the last few years, but this seems like the biggest, I would say, overhaul of the Red Bulls over the last couple of years heading into next year. There's a lot more unknowns for 2020 than there was for 2019. Should the playoffs still be a target for the Red Bulls? You know, it should be. And I, I, you know, when you mentioned that to me, the first thing I thought was, will this be a rebuilding year? And uh, just bringing in new personnel, maybe younger personnel. Um, You know, in the New York market for any team, Rebuilding is not a good word to use. And for a team that has struggled to get fans to Red Bull Arena, remember uh, some of the seats uh, they put uh, are not available, so they don't sell out 25,000, 27,000 a game like they did in the past. Uh, you don't want to uh, say to the soccer public, hey, this is a, a rebuilding year. They're going to have less people at games. Um, I think they're going to try to, let's say, rebuild rapidly over uh, during the uh, the off season, um, and uh, ho- hopefully get a competitive team there because uh, they were not as nearly as competitive this past season, and I think they probably thought they needed some sort of an overhaul. Uh, if this was a different podcast, Michael, and you said rebuilding wasn't a word that New York teams used, I'd ask you what the hell the Knicks have been doing for 25 years, but that's a very different. <laughs> I, um, I hear you on that. I thought about that too. I'm thinking. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I know where you're coming from, and uh, that's uh, that's another subject uh, for another time. Fair, fair enough. I'm pretty sure I was still in grade school the last time they were good. But anyway, <laughs> um, let's talk about Bradley Wright Phillips. Um, now that he, you know, he is going to be moving on. Uh, perhaps to another team in Major League Soccer, perhaps, we don't know, perhaps. But what does he, what has he meant? What, where does he stand in terms of uh, all time? And I, I know it's so early, and we, but we, we ask these questions. So where do you think he stands in the all-time sort of packing order of, of uh, Red Bull greats and uh, Metro Stars greats? You know, definitely up there. I, I haven't uh, graded him, definitely. But in terms of consistency, and he spoiled uh, spo- I wanna, he spoiled us. And when I say us, it's the media, the fans, and, and other maybe soccer observers in, in the New York area because you knew he, what you were going to get from him every year, which is consistency, usually around 20 goals, sometimes more. He, I think he um, crushed it for, for 27 goals one year, uh, which tied a league record. You knew what you were going to get from him. Um, and you don't see that from many forwards in the league, Some come and go very quickly. Um, Some have a fantastic season, and maybe uh, it's difficult to come close to that. Like I said, Bradley Wright uh, Phillips was consistently good and sometimes great. Um, He was a a pleasure to watch. Um, Another player, by the way, after games, he was a pleasure to talk to, a very humble person and never a braggart, pounding him this chest saying he's the greatest. Um, you know, I called Robles and um, and BWP icons and legends in the stories I, I, I've written about them recently, and, and rightfully so for, for the team. That's how important both of those players were. Um, the problem with uh, Bradley Wright Phillips is, as opposed to Robles, who I think as a goalkeeper he can hook on with another team, uh, Phillips is 
Bryce Phillips is 34 years old. He's coming up a season where he was hampered by injuries, primarily a, a groin uh, ailment a problem. Uh, had one goal. That's not a very good selling point for many um, high-level, high-caliber teams. And if he does manage to to find a team or a team is interested, I think, like it or not, he might have to be more in a supporting or reserve role and obviously take a big pay cut if he wants to continue uh, uh, playing. But that's uh, uh, that's something that uh, I guess we'll, we'll discover in the coming weeks. Yeah, I, I would think if you were a team that was very close to MLS contending already, you might have interest in them. him at a low salary. But exactly, it's an interesting question that we all have to we'll all learn the answer to. Uh, as turn, let's go across the river. Uh, obvious changes in, at uh, NYCFC as well, Reyna, moving to Austin. Um, disappointing playoff again for, for New York. I don't know what that means in the grand schemes, but uh, how do you see the offseason um in and around Yankee Stadium playing out for, uh, for NYCFC? Well, obviously, Claudia Reyna, sporting director, has taken on a similar position with the Austin FC, which is a 2021 expansion team. David Lee, uh, who's inside the organization, has moved up into his role, and David Lee is a very respected uh, talent evaluator in MLS. But with um, the coach leaving Dome Torrent, Earlier this month, I think it's uh, almost three weeks ago, and no successor has been named, at least not publicly, although um, we, there have been reports about Giovanni von Bronkhurst uh, uh, possibly uh, coming in and replacing him. Uh, there are a lot of question marks with this team because if you do bring in a new coach, regardless what he says, and I, I've seen this so many times in soccer Oh, I'm not going to change that much. I'm going, to, you know, and and all of a sudden you turn around and four, five, six players are, are gone from last year's team because he wants to bring in players he's familiar with or who could fit his style or system. So uh, I I can't make predictions on which players are going to come back and which players are going to go, but uh, it's going to be another off season of change for for NYCFC. The crazy thing about NYCFC is that. They've had two coaching changes in the last one and a half years, and both of them left um, essentially on top. Patrick Vieira uh, left in, uh, for Nice in, uh, for, in uh, France League One in June 2018, and the team had a winning record. Uh, and Torrent uh, left, uh, like I said earlier this month, and the team also had a, a winning record. I don't know of too many teams that have lost coaches in consecutive years when the team has had a, a winning record, at least in this country. I mean, it's probably happened somewhere around the world. And you just have to wonder, uh, is this going to be the norm for this franchise after a couple of years at NYCFC, they're going to bring in a new coach. I kind of like longevity with coaches, them being there two, three, maybe even, should I say four years? Um, uh, because I think it's better for the team, and uh, it, 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 it's head-scratching, I think, with some of the things that are happening with this team. Um, it really is. When we're looking at NYCFC also, Michael, there's always the the lack of 
clear-cut single identity just because it is treated as a feeder team. And we're seeing this with the coaching staff over the last two years, especially uh, with uh, Dome Tora leaving. We have Patrick Vieira leaving also to an extent, the Red Bulls also, but more NYCFC. And also the fact that it had to play games, playoff games, at, I was going to say Shea Stadium, at City Field, <laughs> uh, City Field uh, the uh, successor of Shea Stadium, I have to say, but in Queens. So you do have a feeling that both New York teams are not at their best in this period of time, which would be considered maybe the best ever period in Major League Soccer. What What's there to do? What's there for, for next year to make sure New York is represented? Not only... As good teams on the pitch, we know one of them, if not both of them, will be competitive next year. It usually is the case. But can they be competitive off the field in a very crowded sports landscape and in a league that is drawing attention from markets that are not instinctual? So is New York still New York for MLS? Uh, Boy, before I get into that, by the way, I understand about the Shea thing. It took me a long time to go from <laughs> Shea to City Field, so I understand. And I live in New York, so I understand that uh, totally. And sometimes I've I've almost written Shea Stadium a couple times. Saying that, uh, yeah, boy, you know, staying relevant in, in the New York sports market, man, it's, it's so much to, to to talk about and unpack there. Uh, in General newspapers in the area, they do not cover soccer on a regular basis in the papers itself. Maybe on the Internet they do. And when I say soccer, MLS, the MLS teams, it is very difficult for them to, to, to get, uh, let's say, the general, you know, general newspapers. It, it can be found, obviously, on various websites around the area. But I, I just think, you know the Red Bulls' attendance the last several years has been hurting with uh, with some very very good teams, um, and the fact that they can't sell out a beautiful soccer arena like Red Bull Arena is mind boggling. Um, you've got NYCFC that's playing at a baseball park. They'll start their sixth season there in 2020. Um, uh, a number of people are, I can't say a lot, maybe there are, there's a lot of people, fans are turned off by the fact that they can't get maybe close enough to the uh, to the field. The atmosphere isn't, isn't very good, even if the, the team has been very, very good. Um, you know, they're going to have to find ways, uh, uh, let's say, to attract attention uh, in the New York area, whether it's, um, you know, uh, newspapers, radio, um uh, uh, television, whatever they can. I mean, the internet is fine. You know, it's the soccer family. We're we're into that, but to grow, you're going to have to go outside the the soccer websites, and to do that, you need uh, attention. It's uh, you know, name me a, a well-known player on either team right now. Uh, when NYCFC came into being in 2015, you know, they had David Dia. Uh, Frank Lampard finally showed up uh, during the summer. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, and, you know, they had some very, very big names on the team. Uh, they have some very good players on the team right now. But in a city like New York, I think teams, you need 
you know, one, one well-known name. I mean, Ibrahimovic would have been fantastic here, but I don't know if he would have wanted to. I think he preferred the L.A. lifestyle uh, to over the New York uh, grind, let's say. Yeah, but I, I cannot need... imagine uh, Zlatan living in a Soho apartment and just going to do this market like a nana. That's not Zlatan for sure. Right, exactly, exactly. I just, you know, I think both teams need, you know, someone to to give them attention beyond the soccer community and, and also to wake up some of the soccer community as well, too. I know a lot of Red Bull fans, for example, are upset about Robles and, and Wright Phillips leaving next year. And I'm not saying they're going to boycott the team or anything like that, because like it or not, that's part of soccer, uh, favorite players leaving the team. But that does not help their, you know, their pub- public relations push over the winter. And, um, you know, I think it's a tough haul in New York. It, it, it's gotten much more difficult, I think, to get attention with all the sports teams here. I'm sorry for the long soliloquy and answer there, but and I'm probably going to think about it more after the, after, uh, the show. But uh, like I said, a lot to unpack there. No, and that's why I'm asking you, because the more and more I was thinking about New York and the teams and the more I was like, Yeah, it it is not coherent with the efforts that we see in L.A., Atlanta, and we're going to see in Miami if that ever actually works out. I still don't believe, but I guess I'll have to believe when I see Miami kick a ball next year. But on that note, it's a great thought experiment, I think, Michael, to, to look at where New York has been over the last 21 years in Major League Soccer, both teams and, and everything, and, and looking at where it should be or next year and the year after, and we're seeing all the stadium problems. So it's always a good experiment, I believe, to keep thinking about New York, where it should be in the future. Uh, yes, you know, uh, one thing about, and I might get a little up on the tangent here, but there are a lot of MLS 1.0 teams that are not doing as well, um, let's say, at the box office as 2.0 or 3.0. And I feel like some of them either have been left behind or maybe they're not the new child anymore. They're, because they're the oldest child, they kind of are forgotten because the, the, there's, there are new babies around in terms of expansion teams. And uh, there are places that are excited about getting a new team. And sometimes the problem when you are around for a number of years, and I'm, not, I'm talking more to Red Bulls than NYCFC, but the fact that they've been, Red Bulls have been around as the Metro Stars slash Red Bull since 1996, you know, you kind of get taken for granted um, uh, after a while. And again, they're not the only original MLS team that that's in the same category. I mean, Columbus Crew, New England Revolution, which is a show and a half for you guys. Um, <laughs> you know, and and you know, and even DC United in, in its its new stadium as well too, among other teams. Um, and and they've done a great job of. Build, you know, many of these teams building stadiums, having great training facilities, uh, but um, it just seems like teams from the 2.0 and 3.0 generation have gone past them. And I understand a new team in a city, it's a lot of excitement. Um, these are maybe smaller cities than New York, and this is the good and the bad of New York City. Wow, look at look how big this city is. Look how, look how big the uh, suburbs are, all the fans that are here. The problem is 
you've got a lot of sports teams, and it's you've got multiple baseball teams, football, hockey, basketball, and even some other minor sports too. And it's uh, they all eat away at the pie, and it's uh, it's just not an easy uh, thing to break through. It's a lot easier to break through in Austin, Texas, than it is in New York City. And just using Austin as as one example. As Frank Sinatra once said, if you can make it there, you'll make it anywhere. Michael, it's always a pleasure to talk to you about soccer and all the best during this offseason. You can follow Michael's work, frontrowsoccer.com, and follow Michael on Twitter at Soccer Writer. Michael, thank you very much for your time today. Hey, my pleasure as always, gentlemen. Uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays, and we'll be right back after this short break. You are listening to Soccer Today. Follow us on Twitter at Soccer Today SPN and like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash sport podcasting network. You can find the podcast version of all the shows we do on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Google Play Store, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you get your podcast. And we're back on soccer today. I'm Kevin Larmey. Dwayne Rollins is on the line as well. You like what we do? Well, you can even get more of us. Yes, go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash sports podcast network. Three tiers for you, two solitudes, $2 a month, four shows a month, one every week, sometimes two, depending of the, the schedule. But the two solitudes soccer podcast tier, Canadian soccer, Canadian soccer only, Dwayne and I diving deep into the lore of the beautiful game in our very own country. SPN Extra, well, you get shows like Five Rings Extra, which Dwayne and I will record today, where we look at the 1976 Montreal Olympic ceremony. Yeah, that's going to be amazing and kitsch and campy. And yes, we're going to have a lot of fun. And you can join that tier and the documentary tier, which our first documentary will be about the 2000 gold cup i've been doing amazing research this is going to be a fun time it will drop just before christmas eve on our documentary tier which you can get for ten dollars a month but our special offer until december 6 until friday next week only every five dollar member on december 6 so you still got almost two full weeks to get your five dollars in you get access to the ten dollar tier for six months yes that's three bonus documentaries if you sign until next friday on the five dollar tier Dwayne, it's interesting what's happening in new york and the red bulls seem to be like not only like the company of an energy drink but i guess some red tape as well yeah, yeah. And before I get into it, uh, Michael, wish us all a happy uh, holidays. We should mention to our American listeners that uh, we, we will actually be broadcasting through uh, Thanksgiving. So if you're looking for something to do, uh, you know, to get away from your drunkle uh, uh, on uh, Thanksgiving Day, you can listen to us. Or um, or if you are the drunkle and you want to get away from the family, you can also listen to us. Exactly. We we don't judge either way, but uh, but for sure we'll be broadcasting on Thursday and, and Friday of this week. Um, yeah, the Red Bulls, NYR, NYCFC will put aside for now, just to look at the Red Bulls, it does very certainly look to me like, uh, I know we hesitate to use the, the word rebuilding, the word I've been using is transitioning, a transitioning year right now, and I think that's how the better way to, you know, semantics aside, that is the better way to talk about an MLS team that has moved away from some veteran players, that they will certainly, you know, but, but in many ways, you look at their season last year, which, although they made the playoffs, it's not a big accomplishment in a 17 field, uh, they 
weren't really a factor at all this year as, as anyone who, um, who watched this knew. So uh, they clearly did need to make a move. Now, Robles, I'm not too sure what that was about. Um, other than they have a younger player, they probably can get it a little, they, they have a little bit cheaper and, and maybe they just thought that it was, if they're going to make a clean split from the past, they needed to move on from guys that uh, represent that past. So, so it does seem to me that the Red Bulls might be in a transition year. If I had to like predict uh, the 2020 season, which would be an idiotic thing to do to pick, predict the 2020 season in November. But if I had to uh, right now, I would certainly be picking the Red Bulls a little bit lower down the table than I have in previous years, because I think we saw, uh, with the decline of w, or, uh, BWP last year and this sort of um, an inability to, to replace Adams or or to have more cycling in. I think Adams losing him uh, was such a big blow that we didn't factor it enough into our preseason picks last year. That's true. And he was a, a once-in-a-generation academy kind of uh, player. Uh, in fact, you know, if you're ranking the players, the top players in, in Canada United States right now, he's probably top five, right? So that's you can't just have him follow to your team and, and then expect to, to not feel that. And, and they did. Uh, so I'm not too sure what to think of the Red Bulls next year, but uh, look, uh, BWP, he, like a lot of English players, when the end comes, it came quickly and yeah. it didn't shock me. The wall, the, the wall comes quick, you know, <laughs> and it's true. It's just like running into a wall. Sometimes the performance don't decline at a similar rate that they grow, right? Sometimes it's like jumping off a cliff. It's like running into a wall. It stops quite clearly and suddenly. Yeah, and look, if you look, he's, he's a very interesting player in the history of Major League Soccer because if you look at his his resume before he got to Major League Soccer, it would not excite anyone, right? Like he wouldn't, you know, he, in fact, he came over here as a walk-in. You know, he had a trial and he had to prove himself before he was offered a contract. And then obviously he became one of the uh, the best uh, scorers in, in Major League Soccer history. And that's fully to his, you know, um, to his credit, to, to his, uh... his credit. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that what happened is that he had an instinct for scoring that uh, that he was able to take advantage with what his, has been at times some naive defending in Major League Soccer. I don't think anyone would deny that. Uh, the defending is an area that needs to improve across the board in this league. Naive. Well, that's the that's the best compliment you ever gave to to, to defenders of Major League Soccer. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's obviously a few good ones, but by and large, it, yeah, it's not where they spend the money. We'll say no, exactly. Um, <laughs> when, when when I say top heavy, Major League Soccer is it's it's yeah the the bottom part of that top heaviness is defending. Yeah, and and look. But once he, it's an athletic league though, and this is what I'll say to anyone who asks me about this stuff when I get into league-wide conversations, is is he had to have a certain level of athleticism to allow him to take advantage of those sort of smarts that he had in front of goal. And once he lost that little edge and the defenders then had that jump ahead of him, which I think is probably what has happened here, um, it's done because he doesn't have the physical ability. He's not a big guy to push through that and the instincts don't matter as much anymore. And I don't think, as much as I said, I could see a team taking a flyer on him. I also, um, you know, bluntly put, I think he's done. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see him somewhere in in England or something. We'll see. I don't expect we'll see him in Major League Soccer next year. Who knows? Like you mentioned, if if he agrees to have a different role with the team and at a different price... Maybe he does have a future in Major League Soccer, and that's something that we'll we'll keep an eye on for sure. Does Bradley Wright Phillips, does he continue his goal scoring in Major League Soccer, or 
or is it the end of the road for him in Major League Soccer? We'll know in the next few days. Of course, the Stage 1 re-entry draft is today at 3 p.m. Yesterday was the waivers. Four of them were drafted. You can find them no big name, really, but four players were selected yesterday. Out of um, 28 teams, only 24 have declined the right to pick ones. Actually, four. That's not bad. It's more than than the years prior. Today, re-entry draft. Stage one, we'll see if any players are selected today. One last thing I want to talk to you about, Dwayne. Of course, there's the Champions League today, and we'll talk about it on a brand new show on uh, on our $5 tier. You can find <laughs> yet it. Yet to be named. <laughs> yet to be named. Well, it, it's Soccer Today Presents, so it, it has a lot of space, a lot of wiggle room where you and I can find a way to, to, to wedge things in there. And one of them is us yeah. talking about European soccer which we will in the next couple of days after this round of the Champions League. So if you're looking for Dwayne and I to talk about Chelsea, Man City from last Saturday or today Real Madrid PSG in the Champions League, we will do so for $5 a month. Yeah, look, if there's a major, major story, it'll every time there's... I'll say this about any of our uh, niche products, we'll call them for lack of a better way to put it. If we have a niche show like Canadian soccer, for instance, Canadian Premier League, for instance, it is essentially most of that gets pushed to, to solitudes. But if there's a significant story within that, it will come to the main show. This is the main show. The main show will always be free. Um, I just feel, and I think Kevin agrees, that uh, our European coverage is not necessarily what everyone comes to us for. Uh, but I do want to continue to do it and provide it. So it will get a little more in detail than a show for those that, that wish to have that. And, yeah. and there will be another voice out there doing that. So this will allow us, I think, as well to, to focus a little bit more, more focus even more so on more focus even more so. That's a turn of phrase and a half there, Dwayne. Hey, it's like um, me speaking. You're talking like me. Yeah, <laughs> there's even more focus on what our bread and butter is obviously Major League soccer, soccer and North American um, soccer. North American soccer. And when we say North American, we're excluding Mexico because I consider that in Central America, even though it's technically not. Yeah, but, but we're, we're not going to exclude it today because I actually have a few news from Mexico exactly. to talk yes, to yes. you about. And uh, who knows, maybe if we get enough Patreons, we can bring a Mexican show in, but I think we'd bring a special host in. Yo, yeah. <laughs> like we'll call Tom or John or something. Tom Marshall, John Arnold, maybe two of the best voices out there in English that you can follow if you like Liga MX. Apertura finished last weekend the fall season is now over in mexico top eight in this fall season are now in la liguila which starts tomorrow liguila liguila i don't speak spanish me no habla español me comprende un poquito so um por favor si si Eight teams qualified for the Liguilla. Santos Laguna won the Apertura. Leon finished second. Tigres finished third. Queretaro fourth. Nicaxa fifth. Club America sixth. Monarcas and Monterrey eighth. Notable team that missed the playoffs. Yes, Chivas Guadalajara with their best player, Alan Pulido. 12 goals to assist this year, and he is linked with the San Jose Earthquakes. This would be Matias Almeida's coup. This would be the most prominent player he would have brought over from Mexico to the San Jose area if this gets done. Yeah, and Almeida was always going to make big most of his moves in the second and third years. That's why it was so important for him to stay on. There was rumors at the end of the year that he had sick of MLS, was throwing his hands up and walking away. And 
Um, they were coming from Mexican sources, which can be a little bit uh, excitable sometimes. So yeah, because they want him back, so they're trying to they're trying to do something. To, they're trying to start a fire, and maybe the result they would have him back. That, that's how it works in Mexico, to be quite frank. Yeah, and, and it turns out he's staying in San Jose, and that's a good thing for them. The the earthquakes uh, did have a great middle of the season. You know, we we picked up more quicker than some because I think some people just desperately wanted them to to be all the way back. But no, they, they kind of clearly the talent gap showed in the second half of the season. But if you can bring a guy in uh, that's scoring at that level in the Mexican league, then then I certainly think you, um, as long as he adjusts, then, then you have something going there. And the earthquakes will be, I think they're going to be one of the hipster picks to do well in the West next year. So we'll see where they end up getting picked. But uh, for sure, if, if they bring in a scorer like that, then, then that's going to be a significant uh, uh, piece to add for them because I don't think, I mean, God knows, we keep, if Wando had a dollar for every time he's been counted out in his life, he'd be, he'd be probably doing fine, but he'd be very rich now, right? So <laughs> Yeah, well, like, yeah, Wando. And but, his, by the way, Wando's option has been picked up for next year. He is under contract with... This I know is an earthquake for 2020. So yeah. he's going to he's going to continue. He's going to score another eight to ten next year. Come on, so I wouldn't be shocked at all. So imagine no, I, him. I wouldn't either. But Father Time is undefeated. Yeah, Father so Time is undefeated, cool. but he has been delayed. I guess for Wondolowski. Yeah, fair enough. You can beat him off for a while, but anyway, yeah. we'll see. But at the end of the day, it's just like that wall. It, it hits suddenly. And the other news I wanted to just mention before we wrap today from Mexico, Club Tijuana did not make the Liguilla. And the Apertura, that's Oscar Perea's former club because he has been let go now. Uh, the club mutually agreed to part ways, which means he was fired. Because that's usually what it means, Club Tijuana, after failing to make the playoff with a 7-3-8 and record in 18 games, are uh, have a new manager already, which means Oscar Perea might be on his way to Orlando. That's the latest rumors with... Both Oscar Perea and, of course, the Orlando Soccer Club, Orlando City, looking for managers also to replace uh, to replace James O'Connor, who was fired at the end of the season. Yeah, and, and good luck to him. Um, until ownership changes there or shows a, a willingness to accept their failures of the past, I will continue to pick Orlando near the bottom of the, the table every year because their culture is, is broken. And the, the what? See. Their culture? Okay, they have one. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, it's it's an M I C K E Y culture right now. Um, if you follow, <laughs> well, they're the right city for that. It's the yeah. right city for that. Yeah, it's, it's a Mickey Mouse yeah, culture. It's a, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you can change. I I, I don't know. Uh, many of you listening to this are going to be far too young to remember this reference, but back in the late eighties, uh, Wayne Gretzky, uh, famously in, in only a way that could insult people in the hockey world, uh, called the New Jersey Devils a Mickey Mouse opera organization. And he got all sorts of flack for this cause it was rude. I guess it was correct at the time. <laughs> it was but, factual, uh, but rude. Yeah. So at any rate, the, the story I'm making here is that the New Jersey Devils then Turned that around and became maybe the team of the 1990s in the NHL. So, so just because you're a Mickey Mouse operation now, <clears throat> TFC as well, another good example, doesn't mean you are forever there, but you have to show us, not tell us, because otherwise, yeah, yeah you're right. asking us to believe that something that we've never seen evidence of. Well, yeah, it's just like Bigfoot, right? Until, until, uh, until we see Orlando compete in all facets of Major League Soccer and especially in uh, the front offices, 
and to have to seem to have a direction. That's all we're asking for, I guess, for Orlando. Maybe this time, maybe third time's the charm, or is it the fourth time or the fifth time? I don't fifth know. Time. That, that's the question. But you know, it could be interesting. And Oscar Preya it would be a good choice for the long run if you give him time, like he had in Dallas. He could do great things, not just for your main team, but for the entire pyramid of your club, if you do have so, and they do in. Orlando. On that note, Mario Balotelli is not coming to Toronto, Dwayne. I think that's pretty much uh, true. A Christian Jack reported yesterday, last night, uh, that those rumors are not founded in factual basis. The only, if you are a Mario to Toronto truther, the only thing I would hold on to is that sometimes the club says things that are technically true but aren't completely in the spirit of what was being asked but generally speaking if kj shoots it down it's dead um that doesn't mean he's not coming to major league soccer though it, it is an interesting and it there there is a logical fit there but i i am far more convinced that galatasaray makes more sense for mario at this point but um we'll see i i think mario Batelli will end up in mls one day it, it's, it's whether he works out or not it, it depends i put a thread on my twitter yesterday which explains my thoughts on him in detail and uh, we talked about it at length yesterday on this show. So on that note, I'll say it was fun to think about for a minute. But yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, but if you want to know more about Dwayne's thought on Mario Balotelli, make sure you follow Dwayne on social media at 24th Minute. Myself at Kev Laramie and this show at Soccer Today SPN Live Monday to Friday on our Twitter feed right here on Twitter at Soccer Today SPN podcast version everywhere you get your podcast. And also now available to Solitude's tier for $2, SPN Extra tier for $5, SPN Docs for $10. Special offer until December 6th. That's next Friday. You get the $10 tier included for six months with your pledge of $5 to our Patreon. So we thank you for your trust and your support in the new venture that we go to. I say venture, but it's going to be more an adventure together. Talking about sports, multi-sports, five rings extra coming later today. And until next time, for Dwayne, I'm Kevin. Have a great soccer. You can find the podcast version of all the shows we do on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Google Play Store, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you get your podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.